0: of mine said, don't start your sentence with, I know that it's all me. I know that i probably need to grow in this area and I probably need to do X, Y, Z to be better. And I was like, when I heard her say this back, that's how I start 95% of my conversations. Before you beat me to the punch, I am well aware that I am so imperfect.
1: Welcome to The Nine Design, a podcast where we're seeking to understand how God has uniquely designed us and explore the ways in which we live that out. I'm Seth, a creative, and I'm from Adelaide. And I'm
2: Serena, a coach, and I live in Melbourne, and we're excited to have you join us for The Nine Design.
1: So in this episode we continue to explore the body center and we're going to get the privilege of sharing the airways with three very detailed talented clear-thinking people each of them resonate with the enneagram type one before we introduce you to our guests serena would you catch us up on where we've been so far what is the body center and how do type ones fit into it
2: so We primarily process through our head, heart, and body. Type 1s, as with Type 9s and Type 8s, process the world first through their body. It's sort of actions first, head second, and feelings last.
1: All right, let's get into it.
2: So Type 1s are sometimes known as the perfectionist. And as the name suggests, Type 1's attention is drawn to what's imperfect or needs improving. They learned from a young age that it's not okay to make mistakes and that if they can be good enough and get things done right, then they'd find peace of mind and value in the eyes of others. They see the world as it should be and strive for everything to be right and good, both within themselves and externally around them. This can lead to black and white thinking and for a tough inner critic to inform opinions and decision making. Like all body centre types, one struggle with anger. In an attempt to control this anger, It gets suppressed and takes on the form of resentment. So the virtue and the work for the one is to move towards something called serenity. And this is being calm and at peace with themselves and the world around them just the way
1: they are. So let's introduce three of these ones, our guest panel. We have Ez, who is currently in New South Wales, and we have Tina and Sim, who are representing Victoria for us. So we would love you to share a little bit about yourselves. Could you just share your name? What takes up most of your week and something that fires you up in a good way?
3: Hi, I'm Tina. So what it takes up most of my week, I'm, I'm a coach. Um, so I help people to find mission and purpose and work and in life. Um, so, what fires me up is when I see people being able to live out of a their divine purpose, their core purpose. I have a lot of people in my room right now who get caught up in ambition, and when ambition's kind of done with them, they usually end up in my room where they're looking mm. for something much more meaningful and much more fulfilling in work and in life. Mm. So, when people actually find that sweet spot, that just lights me up.
1: Thanks, Tina.
4: My name's Simeon. Prior to COVID, was doing a fair bit in the studio and recording people, musicians, Uh, a little bit of performance myself. But since the COVID lockdown thing become more of a, I'd say, the primary caregiver for our kids, Uh, my wife's gone full-time work. And since the storm that hit two months ago, I've spent most days on the chainsaw. We live on a property where we've had about 120 trees come down and I'm currently project managing big contractors, cleaning things up and Mm. that side of things. What really gets me going? It's changed a bit over the years, but uh, I find encouragement from other people uh, has been something that's really lifted me up Mm. a lot lately. Thanks. Thanks,
0: yeah. Hi, everyone. I am Esmarie, or as what everyone will be referring to me as. Um, I spend most of my week working. So I work for a justice organization and I work in the role of office logistics and EA. So get to organize people professionally, which is quite good. What fires me up? um, I've heard people say to me that I light up or I become a different person when I talk about
2: ways or strategies of fighting injustice in the world.
1: Cool. That's me. Thanks. Thanks, Az.
2: We want to talk about growing beyond some of those default behaviours, you know, some of the coping mechanisms that are typical for our type. Sometimes they can be called the average to low behaviours. And with that in mind, would you share a time with us when you were able to overcome some of these default behaviours and experience what I mentioned earlier about the virtue of serenity?
4: I I find that word interesting, serenity. Um, Mm. I know you mentioned earlier in your description about ones, the word peace in the way you described, I think it was a sub-description of serenity, but... Mm. I would probably associate more with searching for peace than I would serenity. I know they're very mm. similar, but mm. I feel like peace can be found anywhere, whereas contextually serenity feels more like a place you go rather than mm. a being sure. something. I know you can be serene, but mm. maybe it's just me understanding the definition of what, what those words mm. are. But as far as that, I, I don't know whether it's an escape or becoming at peace. For me, that's that's through almost disconnection from my thinking in a way or, or the scenario where I might be stressed. Mm-hmm. So uh, a beautiful piece of music or being out in creation where I'm completely removed from my circumstances, where I no longer can see the things that need me to attend to or uh, have a connection of responsibility Mm. or and also in those spaces too I think whether it be music or or creation I think sometimes there's almost a reminder in those things that that things that aren't perfect can be beautiful Mm. too so you know like a a rotting log in a forest you may not say it's perfect but uh it's that that disconnection from perfection that leads you to appreciate something from a different angle in what it facilitates Mm. and the part it plays in a much bigger picture. Mm. So I think for me, that channel vision of me being stuck in my circumstances, uh, something that breaks me out of that and helps me realize there's a much bigger world than the little one I'm stuck in.
0: Mm. That was really good. And thanks for explaining that question as Mm. well, Serena, because I think when I first read it, it hit a nerve with me was I think a big part of my one journey was coming to terms with my default, Mm -hmm. not being as bad. Right. So was created a one or was I, you know, Whatever circumstances, whatever you believe. I mean, a, a one's fear is that we are corrupt or evil. So we believe that about ourselves to the core. And so part of my journey with the Enneagram was to actually come to terms with finding peace and love and acceptance for my default, not my unhealthy, but my default.
3: Can I chime in as well? Maybe chill, bliss, calm, relax. <laughs> Is kind of serenity for me, so I've, I've been a teacher, perfect role for me, <laughs> perfect model and example. But I remember back in the old days before I, I really understood myself, I would stand in front of a group to facilitate, and I would actually become breathless. I'd feel mm. so anxious because I'll be worried about getting it wrong. I like I would I would spend most of the time talking at people, and that mm. was me getting in my way. But since the work of the Enneagram, um, I facilitate. You know, a few groups. I'm being keynote speaker, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And what I'm finding now, rather than being someone who stands at the front and is a significance getter, oh,
4: no.
3: I've just become a significance giver, because it's no longer about me or my performance, what I do know, what I don't know, um, which is quite quite important for a social one, like intelligence and information and knowledge. <laughs> It's just this real sense that when I'm in a room with people now, it really is just about them when I'm able to relax and and, and slip into bliss and I jump off the court and the difference that I feel in my body when I've been mm-hmm. giving people significance rather than trying to get known or significant for, I don't mm-hmm. know, my genius or something. that I just know that the
2: difference when I've mm-hmm. been one or the other. Tina, you mentioned the the difference in your body. Can you explain mm. that? You know, as a body type, how as a one mm. do you connect? Does your body connect to these kind mm. of emotions?
3: Well, when I know when I know, I know when I'm trying to get significance, I know when um, that checking and double checking and triple checking everything is playing a part because my body just feels tense. Mm. I just feel tension in my body. I feel like um, instead of energy rising up it gets stored and I become more and more kind of constricted and particularly in my chest area I can feel it in my shoulders around my chest and I know um, so right now I'm not feeling that I'm feeling real. I feel like energy's flowing I feel like I'm about to kind of (laughs) I don't feel constricted I feel really I just feel passion and I feel um, I don't know energy flowing through my body Uh, Hmm. and that's when I feel like I've got past myself and I'm not worried about all the things that we worry about, my lists and things, my checklist yeah. is not yeah. playing a part of, yeah,
2: so I, I notice a difference uh, in the way energy flows. Yeah, that's fascinating. similar as do you, do either of you notice a difference in your body when you're in those kind of spaces?
4: I can certainly relate to a lot of what Tina said then. I used to do a lot of performances and presentations to to groups of people, and my worldview or my perspective being a lot larger than myself is where I find freedom. And, and so when Tina was talking about um, her feeding into other people and facilitating them opening up, when that focus is on other people rather than me and me getting stuff right, mm-hmm. it's very liberating. Mm-hmm. And because... Th- I think it, no matter what personality type you are, if you're self focused it tends to draw mm-hmm. you into a small world that isn't yeah. very exciting yeah. to live in mm. it's not it's not a place of <laughs> peace or or freedom, whereas yeah. when we're outwardly focused it 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 brings uh something yeah that that you feel on the inside that then enables you to blossom even more <laughs> blossom it's good blossom. word, isn't it?
1: <laughs> I like it. I, blossom. <laughs>
0: I would agree. I um, um, I mean, on two areas there, I think for me that I've realized is the way that I escape myself is being others focused, right? So the way that I run away from myself. And so, yeah, maybe I am in a season where I'm a little bit more self focused, um, but it is because I've been running away from from the corruptness of who I believe I am and the way of doing that was investing or seeking justice for others or speaking up mm-hmm. for others. It's um, it's that kind of thing. But it, it's kind of been a, you know, you disguise it behind mm-hmm. justice, but actually it's a way of protecting or a way of hiding from, from who I am or covering up the evil mm-hmm. that I see within myself. Mm-hmm. But um, also when you talk in terms of body, um, and I think, Sharing this will probably show how much growth I've gone through, but I had experienced it at a very stressful season of my life um, earlier this year, where um, my anxiety then actually caused a minor heart defect, um, and the stress and anxiety of of what i was going through but i don't think anyone would have really known all that much from the outside Mm -hmm. but it was causing something internally that i now you know got diagnosed with and i think even saying i have anxiety is a bit like oh come on no you don't um uh, but it's you know it's something that was built up in my body um and even that, I, I find myself, I know this is very common, but like, you know, the whole shaking your legs thing as a way of soothing yourself mm-hmm. and, and all of those clenching my teeth, mm-hmm. um, stress knots in my back, like all of these things that as a early 20 or mid-20-year-old, you should not be, you know, like it. It's not a thing, but um, yeah. So I definitely hold a lot of things that I don't even know I'm experiencing. Sometimes I hold within my body, mm. yeah. But funnily enough, I don't really get sick. Mm.
1: Okay. Mm.
2: Well, thanks for sharing that, Is. I know that that's vulnerable and it's real, and yeah, I really appreciate that. So thanks for sharing that, and I think just a beautiful example of how these things can play out in in the body Mm. of a type one and in a way that we can try and suppress and but it does come out in our bodies you know it does come out in these ways
1: it's easy to hear as you guys are all talking that type ones have this really strong inner critic that is constantly in your mind or in your heart or wherever you're feeling it that not quite good enough or you didn't quite do that well enough (laughs) or you could have done better or whatever that is saying can you guys describe that inner critic what does that look like or sound like for you guys
3: i think i know when the inner critic is um driving the bus as i should all over myself should do this should be like this Mm -hmm. but um yes so she's she, I call her she's my big sister. Um and you know, it took me a long time. Once I, I first of all, I didn't even know people didn't experience this. I had no idea. When I found out this is in my head and not in any I couldn't understand why everybody was so immoral and corrupt and they were as great as me because I <laughs> I've got this list of shoulds around society and how to be a good Mm -hmm. citizen. And I couldn't understand why they didn't, Um, because if they only knew that this big sister of mine would pull me up on everything, then you wouldn't want to step out of line. How I've learned to work with it a bit more was to understand that this big sister really did help me through life's most traumatic journey. Because of her, um, I'm not on crack and prisoner in a gang is kind right. of my story. <laughs> I'm still a good citizen in, in terms of, you know, my in, in my own terms. But um, yes. so for her, I'm really grateful for her keeping me um, to stay the course until I was able to um, emerge more from my beauty my beauty center.
2: Mm. Mm.
1: Simon, as do you guys mm. feel similar with that? Like you've kind of got this extra voice where you notice hey, this is a different different voice speaking
4: in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I guess I, um, when I first heard the question, I thought that inner critics changed over the years or maybe the way I've perceived that critical voice has been different over the years. As a child, I wasn't really, I didn't see it negatively at all. I had that sense of what was right and wrong and that what I needed to do, but it didn't weigh me down. Okay. And I probably wasn't so worried even about my performance. It, it, I think I always thought I had time, mm. if that makes sense. I'm still young. Even if I don't get it right, I can grow. I can learn. Okay. I, I can become perfect. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whereas as I've got older, the voice has probably got more destructive in the way that it affects mm. me. Okay. Even though I, I am critical of others, I'd say I'm far worse in the criticism of myself. Mm -hmm. I seem to understand grace for other people a lot more than I do for myself. To find uh, an understanding of grace has been very, very hard because that would probably be my biggest faith requiring step to believe that what God says about me is true, Mm -hmm. not what my inner critic does or even what other people say about me. Right. Because mm. I, I don't believe most other people when they say I've done something all right. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there's growth in all that too. Don't don't let mm. me just paint a completely dark picture of me heading down the down the gurgle there. Maybe Ez maybe should speak up now. Give us a real positive one.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so good. No, the inner critic is very, very much a part of me still. I can't differentiate between when it's me or the critic Mm -hmm. Mm. I experience my thoughts what would people would call the critic I think to be very very loud and for myself I vocalize my critic so I vocalize my critic before anyone else can and before Mm. my critic can the other day i had to talk to my line manager about something and a colleague of mine said as don't start your sentence with i know that it's all me i know that i probably need to grow in this area and i probably need to do xyz to be better but i'm really frustrated in this and <laughs> yeah. and i was like when i heard her say this back i literally that's how i start 95 percent of my conversations wow. before you beat me to the punch i am well aware that I am so imperfect. Even then when, you know, people always say like journal and I'm like, I can't journal. And I know the growth area, but if I write a sentence down that says, you know, today was really tough. I struggled with feeling sad in lockdown. My inner critic looks at that and laughs and goes are you kidding me like you know <laughs> yeah. that you work in an organization where people are experiencing xyz yeah. and you want right. to sit here and write you know in your western country um with a roof yeah. over your head safe as anything yeah. you want to yeah. write that today sucked because you were in lockdown and so <laughs> i can't journal and you know i i almost like Tina, I never knew that that was not something that everyone else experienced. Um, Mm -hmm. And I also probably never understood how unhealthy some of that was. But at the Mm. same time, I find comfort in my critic because I know ultimately it does have my back. Mm -hmm. It does. It makes me a better person it even sometimes makes me empathetic because it goes as did you think about you know when you said this what that person felt like and so it does bring out good sides of who i am but i i think maybe maybe it's because i'm still learning and growing and very young but um yeah my inner critic is is very loud and very intertwined with who i am
1: to hear how, if you have, have you guys found a way to sort of turn down the volume of the critical side of the inner critic, like the lies that you're hearing, or found a way to turn that voice down?
3: Just a just a funny little story, Seth. My granddaughter, interestingly enough, she bought home a maths test. So she got 96 out of 100 on her maths test, and her mother was praising her for the 96% she got really upset because her mother could not see the four percent that she did not get Mm. her month is a seven like all positive glass is half full and my granddaughter's focus or fixation was around the four percent she didn't get and she got quite upset another example of where our focus goes so how to relax that is intentionally looking for things I've done like after this call is before I go there is list at least five things I did well in the call first Mm. just do that first just get in first you know I turned up
1: does that feel sorry to cut in does that feel like when you first started doing that did that feel really fake like if you had to be like I gotta think of five things because I know I did all these whatever the inner critic saying yeah all this but I gotta quickly speak five things. Was that hard to practice or was that something you just kind of like, I'm gonna do it? Oh
3: hell no, well, it was not easy. <laughs> <laughs> Still isn't easy. But I know um like in terms of firing up all the synapses in all the right ways is to focus on the ninety six percent first. Just just shift my focus deliberately, intentionally and list things that I've done well. Even if it doesn't feel real. I'm, like you said, I'm practicing, Uh, I'm I'm stretching or expanding my focus. And then I'll go to the list of, I only allow myself one or two things I've done. I only allow that whenever I'm comparing what I've done well against
0: what I haven't done well. For me, it is beating it to the punch. So vocalizing it, saying it to other people, because I think the hold that it has over me sometimes is that my critic is telling me what other people think of me and so vocalizing that to say I know that you think I'm in the wrong or I know that I stuffed up but I realized the other day I can vocalize it in the sense of like dry humor or sarcasm or even dark humor mm. but the things that feel heavy by its commentary on something those are the thing that I run away or I avoid. So I haven't been able to, mm. to turn those down or, or know how to actually face them and turn them down. I think um, mm. I have a lot of avoiding mechanisms and, you know, move every four years just to run away from people and run away from dealing with with things. And that's that's the way I'm coping at the moment. And that's the way I turn, around, I, I turn it down, I
4: guess, is I mm. run away. Wow. Yeah, I, I think sometimes it's, it's hard to figure out whether it's avoiding the critic or taking a break from it or distracting. So the reason I say that is, I think I mentioned earlier, being lost in something beautiful, mm. such as a piece of music or uh, creation. A great example of combining the two where I really felt like I escaped was, um, there's a mini series on Netflix uh, called Moving Art. Oh, which yeah, is, I've seen yeah, it. some of you have seen that? Yeah, yeah look it up if you if you it's, haven't it's seen it. It's amazing. And I remember watching, I think it was the first episode, and just in tears mm-hmm. like at the beauty of creation mm-hmm. and the music that they put to it. I just thought fantastic choice. So for me, maybe that's an escape from all the other things I'm working through and imperfections, mm-hmm. or maybe it's a Sabbath. You know, because we all need a break in order to
3: I like
4: get the energy back to be able to yeah. tackle the problems. And problems aren't necessarily bad things. Maybe if you have a break and you can reface it again, then that could be a good thing. Yeah. But I'd probably say of later years, I haven't done that enough. Had a, a Sabbath from myself. (laughs) And I think things like um, lockdowns and stuff uh, make it hard too. Also, as I was thinking about that question, I thought, you know, an escape might be going on a holiday. But for example, we haven't gone on a holiday for a long time away from the spheres that we're used to. So we're very fortunate in that parents-in-law have a holiday house in Phillip Island. But when we go down there, I see all the stuff I go, uh, not I have to do, that. they don't put that on me, but I see all the things that need to be done on the house yeah. and all the projects and and um, there's some things that I've done there to help and I am go, that isn't quite perfect. <laughs> I put in that balustrading. It could have been a bit straighter. <laughs> so I've got constant reminders around me, whereas, you know, if you disappear to New South Wales or Queensland to a place you have no connection with, then it doesn't matter if, the, the balustrading's crooked because I didn't do it and I don't have to fix it. (laughs) Oh, that's good.
3: The Enneagram talks about our focus or fixation as an addiction. And so when I'm trying to shift my focus to all the things I've done well, what I'm really doing is sobriety from criticism. Mm -hmm. And so just like coming off any kind of addiction, really takes intentionality and, you know, and hard work. And so when I'm not experiencing those feelings of criticism and, for me, humiliation and embarrassment around doing things wrong, I'm so used to practising that, that intentionally letting that go can feel like coming off sugar. You know, my body's unfamiliar with this new feeling of, okay, you know, everything's okay, the glass is half full. 96% is great because my body my my, my body is looking for the backlash or the criticism mm-hmm. so it's just intentionally saying like I would be saying nicotine withdrawal or alcohol withdrawal mm-hmm. it's a similar thing wow mm.
2: yeah that's super interesting tina and and I think all of us have that with our default behaviors you know that yeah. they help us cope for me dipping into kind of researching um the best option for something i get so much like kind of especially right. in lockdown when there's not much else joy to be have but this little hit of just like yes like i'm researching options this is awesome you know so i get it I yes it's it's so good my brain loves that space mm-hmm. and i think with anything like the inner critic you know these things that are our default and that are our coping mechanisms yeah they they can come at a cost they can come at kind of they're not working for us anymore and we do need to kind of um master them or kind of rein them in or kind of just chip away at them and and uh and grow beyond them slowly uh not that we will ever probably silence that inner critic completely but it's that they are there for a reason They're called coping mechanisms and defense mechanisms because they defend you, yeah. they help you cope, yeah. you know, like mm. they they protect you, they keep you safe. As, as mentioned, you know, it it made her better mm. in some ways. Like it gives you. Uh, other people's perspectives. It pulls you in line when maybe you should be. So there are things that it actually does help us in our lives. That's why it works. That's why we're addicted to it. That's why we get that little Mm. dopamine hit or whatever we get it because we're like, this is actually Mm. how I cope and how I survive and what's got me through life this far.
4: And maybe seasonally as well. I I think circumstances as well as um, stages of life can shape the way we view these attributes or, or approaches to the world. And, and I think, you know, for me, for example, with, with high school, I, I happened to do subjects that I did really well at. So I didn't have the problem, you know, of, of this critic. Uh, whereas where I landed at, at university, I did a course, um, in architecture where I was just shredded all the time, <laughs> By lecturers, but it it, it just opened my uh, view of the world and and drew attention to right. the imperfections that just yeah. made that critic become violent with me. Uh, whereas before that, it, it just wasn't perceived in the same way.
2: And Sim, you mentioned uh, beauty. You know, playing a part with. Yeah, silencing that, helping kind of turn down the volume on the inner critic. Uh, is there any more examples of that with either Tina or Ez where beauty has played a role in kind of helping turn down the volume or silencing that inner critic?
0: I, yeah, not dissimilarly get, can get lost in good music or like good worship songs where you, you know that it's been inspired by God, but also can get lost in the the good stories about humanity Mm. and Mm. that can be as simple as like good sportsmanship i don't know if any of you guys watch the olympics um Mm. but um yeah sport can make can make me cry if the the underdog wins and and you get lost in the emotions that that person displays and the hard work paying off and the the perfection if you want to call it that they achieve Um, but also yeah hearing stories of of people who have sacrificed so much to to help vulnerable people Mm -hmm. um, and get lost in their reality of the world which is so different to Mm -hmm. mine so yeah, I get to, to work with incredible people and I get to hear incredible stories about people sacrificing their life to work for the most vulnerable of this world. And I get so inspired because I know that there are good people mm. out there and there is hope yeah. to be like that. <laughs> oh, wow. But there's sometimes where I'm like, yeah, that person, you know, display the character of Christ in such a beautiful way that maybe it is obtainable for others.
1: Yes, just to pick up on that, I love the idea of kind of zooming out of the world as you see it and seeing not necessarily the big picture because it's still very an intimate, you know, how someone else views the world, but the zooming out is kind of like beautiful and Sim, you are talking about seeing the landscape and the huge scenery, like it kind of reminds us how small we are and and there's something beautiful in that I think we're all designed to remember how small that's why we love looking at the stars mm-hmm. and and so hearing someone else's story or how they are helping in ways that you're like whoa that's amazing it's that zooming out that really resonates um, as as you're saying that that's cool sorry Tina I, I jumped in before you.
3: no that's awesome it's yeah I, I'm the same like I think, you know, a lot of experts, a lot of human development experts say the closer we are to birth, the closer we are to our divine nature. And, and, you know, so one of the recommendations from the experts is that I prioritise play and pleasure over work, like I have to schedule it in, to be honest. And so I just remember sort of in my primary school years, they used to have morning talk. They used to have to drag me off morning talk. so someone else could have a tune but like now you know and i remember doing this kind of dance performance but i forgot them bring the forgot to bring the 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 tape deck and i did i did this dance performance without music i just just had no freaking clue that this this was not okay i didn't know this was not the right way Mm. um and so, and I remember being in singing class and my teacher leaned over, she goes, I really love your enthusiasm, darling, but can you sing a bit quieter? <laughs> so I kind of, knew, I felt like that was the best version of myself where I was able to like, just be a complete nut. So I just make sure in my week, um, I went roller skating with my daughter her and i go to the supermarket and i make sure i have a dance break in the middle of the aisle it's all of that not taking yourself seriously stuff it's an antidote to all of you know the crazy i've got to do that otherwise uh, i just take myself too seriously Mm. i make sure i make one mistake at least make one mistake during the week and just make an absolute fool of myself those are all kind of things i schedule in and i call beauty
2: Mm. i
1: love i love you say at least make one mistake In the week. At least make one.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Tina, I just want to ask you, I know that you weren't always like this and hadn't always made these kind of concessions in your life. How long would you say you've been implementing these kinds of Mm, fun practices in your life? Six years ago,
3: I was a puddle on the floor. Um, I had come to the end of myself where it didn't matter what I do, I just couldn't make it, It didn't arrive wasn't didn't didn't achieve or ascend to the high ideal of myself
4: Mm
3: -hmm. although despite all of my trying all of my personal development all of my credentials (laughs) i just did not arrive so i just remember uh, falling on the floor uh, resigning from my job which i'd never done work has been a priority in my life since I was 10 i remember getting a paycheck I was just at, like six years ago I was a broken mess and I think Serena, you met me <laughs> a couple of years after that, um, where I was on the journey now. Mm-hmm. I've done counselling, I've done psychologies, all sorts of behavioural improvements, I really wanted to improve myself. Mm-hmm. really, 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 really wanted to become the best version of myself. It wasn't until the Enneagram actually to- it told me about where this is actually just another strategy of the ego to protect myself and it wasn't real joy. That's when I had to take a really close look. So it's been six years of giving things a go and, yeah. and sucking. So it's crazy, hey! Like <laughs> learning to play and pleasure. It's just yeah. it's all been learning. Yeah. It's been learning and growing, and it's crazy to even hear myself say that when yeah people go off and play all the time and need me to do all the work. <laughs> God's <laughs> sakes, what's the with them? <laughs>
2: 'Cause yeah, Tina, I'm really glad you shared that because, you know, we can encounter you today and and think, Oh, she just finds this easy, you know, and it's like, actually, no, <laughs> like this is a journey for you and mm. it's been six years in the making and it's yeah. but, you know, it's this posture of learning that, you know, you're showing yourself grace, you know, and and that is you just having grace for the journey and grace and the growth. And, you know, that's what these panels, the theme of them is grace and the growth and I think you've made peace with
1: that.
3: Yeah, like making sure, like I do these quarterly goals where I just set myself a challenge. So my mindset goal is often try something I'm not good at and do it in front of
4: people. Yeah, yeah, I definitely can resonate with that. I, I guess I've never had a problem with sucking at things that I don't see are important. Like if I'm terrible at roller skating, I just don't care. Like, Right. Uh, or doing something in the supermarket. I guess those sort of things I've I've always haven't minded making a fool of myself in, in different ways. Um, so I find it a little hard to maybe differentiate where I draw the line. Um, whereas, you know, this podcast, if I listen back and um, <laughs> it's a bit more serious, I don't know. Um, so... Uh, it's probably, I, I measure, a, I have a sense of responsibility okay. mm-hmm. and maybe that's what, where the grace is a problem, understanding where I don't measure up, where I have a responsibility that affects other people, especially, mm-hmm. or I haven't communicated well, or I, I've let someone down. Yeah. So perfection in a job for somebody, if I haven't met their expectations, there's a problem. Um, I find it very hard to forgive myself. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've given myself more grace, but it it nearly always seems to be in those scenarios that the other person doesn't let me off the hook. (laughs) It'll come around and bite me. And it's Uh that one time when I go, it's okay, Simeon, you're human. Let it go. Move Mm -hmm. on. Uh, That it's at that time (laughs) that that person won't release me. So, and that's why I go, you know what? I was right all along. There's nothing yeah. short of perfection. Reinforces it. Yeah. The, and so mm. that's been, that's been tough. It's amazing how many times that that's happened. And my reasoning has been, I've got a lot more growth. Otherwise that probably wouldn't right. have happened.
0: Yeah. I think I probably a little bit more with Simeon on this, on this question. I think on the small things, I, yeah, yeah shrug my shoulders and say, oops, I, I guess that's not." it i do it you know the small things do build up but the way that you get over that is pour yourself a drink and have a dance party in your living room right like (laughs) Mm -hmm. get over it you you know let it go i think the bigger things is is the ones that i really struggle with like where sim said we are accountable or responsible to someone else where it Mm -hmm. where it affects Mm -hmm. someone else Mm -hmm. it's the things where where you tell yourself and everyone tells you you did everything you can it's all okay just let it go stop thinking (laughs) stop feeding these thoughts stop um, thinking on it give yourself grace you you did the best that you can but yeah learning to let those things go doesn't necessarily work as easily as pouring yourself a drink and having a dance in your living room right (laughs) Um, so yeah, yeah I think like Sim as well I I'm definitely still learning to grow in that area and learning to to not hear those voices so loud on those incidences.
2: Another sort of difficult thing other than showing grace, but expressing emotions can be difficult for type ones and sort of those, especially those sort of tender emotions that are close to your heart um, and they can be suppressed. How do you guys give yourself permission to feel things? What you this question again, when I when I read it, I was like, What?
0: I struggle with emotions. I'm a very emotional being. Um, and I spoke to a friend about this who's who's actually a seven, and she also said to me, She was like, Yeah, no, you have a lot of emotions. Like you are all over the shop. For me, I, I do emotions has its place. And so I share emotions where they're appropriate. Um but I also think I've definitely learned to be okay with the unpredictability of my emotions. Mm -hmm. I still explain them away and I still, um, yeah, make excuses for them. But I've kind of learned, you know, being a body type, my emotions get felt by room before I even say them. Or before they they come out, and I've had so much, and I don't know if this is all type ones, but I've had so much feedback all my life about people saying to me, um, "As you might not be saying something, you might not be." You know expressing something but we can feel it and i'm like yeah. what are you talking about i'm like there's no freak like i am dealing with this internally and they're like no nah, yeah. it's all like it's just in your body and i had someone say to me you can walk into a room and you can affect the whole mood if your mood is off and i was like wow. without saying a thing without yeah. looking at someone without doing anything i was like surely not no one has that much ability Mm -hmm. um but apparently it's a bit intense in my body so i think i just learned
4: you're not the only one (laughs) (laughs) it's okay thanks Thanks. my wife tells me i wreck the room all the time (laughs) (laughs) oh and and light it up and light it up sometimes that's good that's
2: (laughs) good
0: yeah i just had to come to terms with it i just had to let it go do i share like the deep stuff with everyone Hundred percent, no. Mm -hmm. Do I think that Mm -hmm. they know sometimes what's going on there? Yeah, I think a lot of people would have known earlier this year when I was going through stuff that it was going. I was going through those things um, Mm -hmm. before I Mm -hmm. even knew or got the you know doctor's certificate saying you're stressed. Mm -hmm. I think emotions. I have a healthier relationship with them now Mm -hmm. than I did a year ago, and Mm -hmm. I am very emotional. I now cry a lot. Mm-hmm. I am in a constant state of frustration slash mm-hmm. anger. <laughs> and I enjoy laughing. I enjoy being happy. I enjoy all the range of emotions and I allow myself days where I can cry in lockdown.
1: The way you worded that was so helpful. I have a friend who is potentially type 1 but they're struggling thinking oh, i'm i'm just i'm too emotional i can't be a type 1 and and they're thinking maybe i'm a type 4 or something like mm. that but everyone around them is like from the outside we feel your emotion mm. but you don't show like you you feel like you're going em- got emotions cuz it's all on the yeah. inside and and kind of everyone feels mm. it but we don't see it with yeah. this particular yeah. friend i know on the inside you feel this mm. But compared to some other people, the, it's a very different type of emotion. Yeah. So the way you explained about um, walking into a room and everyone noticing it kind of before you mm-hmm. did, that that's so helpful. Yeah. That was really helpful. Mm-hmm.
0: And maybe the, you know, the dead faces because it's not appropriate to walk into a room and be like, what the heck is going mm-hmm. on here? Not quite as PG or, yeah. you know, walk into a room bursting into tears.
2: Nerdy Enneagram term for type 1s, for this phenomenon in type 1s is called reaction formation. So it's exactly what Ez described. Is this appropriate for me? Like, you know, I walk into a room and go, well, I can't stop yeah. my feet and scream. Or, it's not appropriate, right? Whatever you're feeling, it's not appropriate. So you... Sort of forming the reaction based upon what's socially appropriate. It's Mm -hmm. more of that kind of just holding in the expression of the emotions. So, yeah, definitely type 1s have a huge range of emotions. It's just that they can kind of get suppressed and kind of stuck in there a little bit longer than they – probably need to just because it's like well i can't express them in socially appropriate ways right now
3: i, I love what the other guys were saying about look when it really matters and, and you know the stakes are high and all of that i remember being in an office recently with my boss where they were they were going really hardcore on my work like really criticizing and i just had this, ah, this massive freak out and of course i went home and i was, talked about it for days and hours and weeks and. Mm. You know just trying to get over not that they criticized me but that i reacted sure. yeah. uh, was probably the biggest issue mm. but the other side of that is in my prayer time and my meditation time it's i actually uh, practice or i experience my emotions in private mm. so that i can express them in public so i might spend time with god and say, i feel really embarrassed by that really mm. i didn't like how that made mm. me feel i feel really humiliated when my boss did that and I just say, you know, God, I'm willing like to let it go again, like just again, ready to let this one go again. So lots of lots of that, spending time putting myself in an emotional state mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, covering it with
0: grace. That's really
2: good. It's really, really helpful.
0: I think that, and I mean, this is textbook, right, of a one, but I think the emotion that I probably express the least is frustration or anger, even though that it feels like i'm in a constant state of frustration um right. expressing mm. that one is probably mm. what i think is the most yeah the most suppressed because i think it's the most evil right like it can't be explained or it can't mm. be um it's very selfish it's very um right. yeah there's i can't logically put my put words around it because I'm frustrated at myself, I'm frustrated at others, I'm frustrated at justice mm. systems or at, mm. you know, all yeah. of those things. And um there's nothing practical you can do about it. So why express it? But it's constantly in me. And so yeah, I think frustration or resentment, well, oh, they're a bit different. But I think anger mm. experiences frustration.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's a great insight for type ones. Really, really great insight, and it is because the anger is perceived as wrong. You know that that mm. anger, frustration, resentment, anything in that kind of sphere of emotions is like that is just not the right feeling to feel. Yeah. So yeah, that's thanks for sharing that. Is that's really wow, powerful insights, guys. They they were very, very, very helpful. And uh, we just want to thank you so much for for coming yeah. onto this podcast tonight, making the time yeah. uh, and sharing such valuable insights. Uh, it's really meant so much to Seth and I, and I'm sure all our listeners are going to get loads out of this. So, yeah, I just want to say personally that you are all a blessing to me individually uh, I know all of you individually and yeah my life has been blessed by you and I know that you are a blessing to loads of other people in your worlds mm-hmm. apart from me so I'm just super thankful for each of you and, and the parts you've played in my life so thanks for coming on today and sharing your wisdom
3: I appreciate it what a great opportunity to meet other people <laughs> same challenges
0: yeah.
4: My pleasure. Um, Hopefully I'm brave enough to listen back.
0: (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, It was really good.
1: And also for all of you who are listening and really resonate with this type one experiences that you've just been hearing, we want to say thank you for the way that God has designed you. And I'm not just saying that to make you try and feel good or whatever because I know most ones will be hearing that and Mm -hmm. going through that Grid of imperfections and be thinking, yeah, but it's not entirely true. God didn't design Mm. us great or whatever. But I'm saying this because it is true and you need to hear it. God has designed you in such a way with this great capacity to reform, to bring healthy growth into relationships, into workplaces and into pretty much any community you're part of. And so I love your honesty. I love the, the moral compass that you guys have, your attention to detail. Mm. These are really good things. And so we're really thankful that ones exist and we're thankful if you're listening and this resonates with you, we're thankful for you and glad you're on the human team. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of the episode full of tips and insights. I hope you found it encouraging and helpful. In our next episode, we're going to draw on the three panels that we've just been hearing from and listen to their responses around relational questions. And guess what? That episode is out already. So have a listen to it right now if you want. Speaking of things that are already out, we have brand new t-shirts. And if you get in early, you might even be able to get them before Christmas. But you better jump on that quickly. And while you're there, book yourself a free 30 minute call with Serena to talk about what coaching might look like for you. And lastly, we just can't thank you enough for listening, for sharing, for engaging, for commenting, for being part of this podcast. We are so thankful for you guys. There's a really easy way for your voices to be on these podcasts. All you have to do is go to our website and you can record your voice because we want to hear you guys in the next season. So definitely go to our website, the right, that's enough talking from me. Until next time, remember that you were designed to reflect the original.